put our hands together one more time for Jesus. God, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. There's just something about your name. Your name is greater. Your name has power. Your name pushes back every bit of darkness. Your name heals us. Your name saves us and redeems us. And we praise your holy name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated just for a moment. Thank you for standing. What a beautiful presence of the Lord we feel here. Thank you to um, the music team, the singers, the worship leaders, musicians. Uh, such a tremendous uh, move of the Lord. His presence we felt. And I appreciate them for being sensitive and ushering the presence of the Lord into this place. How many know there really is something about the name of Jesus? You know, my, my wife and I, uh, we're not having children anytime soon unless God has other plans, but we have, we have looked at different names. We like to talk about names for our future children, and we'll talk about the boy names and the girl names, and, and when we can agree on a name, we'll both just say this, like, you know, it's just got that certain ring to it. That name is good. It's just got that sound, that, that strength. It's a good, strong name. And how much more is that with the name of Jesus? It's, it's just got a ring to it. It's just got something special about it. You, you can't say it enough times. And every time it rolls off your tongue, it just feels good. And it sounds good. And, and it just when you speak it, you know things happen. And you can just walk around in your living room just saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And you never know. You, you might, your body might just start feeling better. And your family member might start feeling better. And that backslidden loved one might just show up to church on Sunday because there's just something about the name of Jesus. There's a ring to it that no other name on this earth possesses. One more time, if you're thankful for that name, just put your hands together and praise him. Amen. Amen. I want to move quickly here because I feel like the Lord has something special he wants to do, but I would be remiss if I did not quickly thank the Mayos for the invitation to be here. I give Pastor Mayo uh, honor in his absence. Looking forward to see him soon. Of course, give the First Lady of this church honor. Appreciate her and her faith so very much. Um, and of course, good to see the Bertrams, as has been already mentioned. Amen. All the way from my home state, California. And uh, love them. Don't get to see them as much as I'd like to, but sure appreciate them. Love every chance we get for our past to cross. And uh, so many others here. Good to see the Oswalds here. And so many other uh, friends and acquaintances. Uh, thank you for your attention in advance, and thank you for having me here. Uh, if I heard correctly, there is no Sunday school today, so that means we get to hang out with some of the kids. So glad the kids are here in uh, attendance and in the audience today, and I thank you in advance for your attention and your participation. I believe God wants to touch everybody from the, from the youngest age to the oldest, amen. So kids, we're glad you're here. God wants to speak to you today, amen. And uh, last but certainly not least, just on behalf of my wife, she sends her greetings. She would love to be here if she could. Unfortunately, she came down with, uh, just got very, very sick uh, with something going around this time of year. And so she is back home. And so I flew up here last night and I'm going to fly back down in the middle of the week. I'm going to get her and get our vehicle and drive back up here. So Lord willing, as she continues to get better, you will see her uh, next Sunday. Amen. But she sends her greetings. She would love to be here as well. Amen. Without further ado, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. Amen. I want to thank uh, Brother 
Thank you, Sande, for always doing such a tremendous job leading the service. Appreciate our connection. And uh, to Brother Earls, who was my ride to church this morning. Appreciate you, brother. Amen. Thank you so very much. Acts 19, 1 through 8. And if you have it, say amen. It reads this way. A familiar pa- passage of scripture, excuse me, for us Pentecostals. And it says, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. These were good people with good hearts. They just had not heard of all that God had for them. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When these disciples heard this, they obeyed the gospel that Paul was preaching, and the Bible says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you thankful for your baptism today? The Bible says and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. How did they know? Because the Bible continues and says they spake with tongues and prophesied. This is the same thing that happened in Acts 2 and Acts 10. And uh, for those that think this is only supposed to happen in Acts 2, between Acts 2 and this passage here in Acts 19, there was quite some years that passed between these two uh, passages. Yet, as we know, as the years go by, the message of God does not change. Amen. So they were filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about 12. And Paul went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm going to stop there in what I want to preach to you about this morning. I have a very profound title for you. The title of what I want to speak to you about is this, God is real. God is real. I know that's profound. I know that's really deep this morning. But that's something you can hang your hat on. And if you're going to help me preach this morning, and if you know that he's been real in your life, would you lift your hands one more time? Lift your voice. Let's pray with great expectation, amen, that God is going to do what only he can do. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice all across this house and praise the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus' name, amen. If you're going to help me preach, you can be seated this morning. Amen. In ancient cities like Ephesus, the city that we just read about in our text, idol worship was the norm. As one man said, in Ephesus and in most major Roman cities at the time, there were colossal sculptures of Roman gods and of the Roman emperor and his wife that were created. But these statues never stood alone. Rather, they had a priesthood of loyal minions always on hand, looking to get ahead in their profession by showing greater zeal and adoration of the imperial idols and by strictly enforcing the laws of idol worship. But since, as we know, idols are fake, these minions and all the idols worshipers had to go to great lengths to deceive themselves into believing that these idols were real. They had to make their gods look alive somehow if they were going to experience any measure of meaningful worship. 
And history tells us that ingenious mechanical devices powered by steam or sometimes by pulleys were secretly installed in the temples. And at these priests' signal, teams of hidden worshipers would operate the pulleys and the engines and make these imperial idols appear to wave their hands, drop a sacred tear, levitate above the crowds, cause fire to appear mysteriously on the altar, and open and shut giant doors without human hands. The most deceptive art practiced on the gullible people was when a priest would sit in a chamber beneath the emperor's statue and would speak through a tube that led up to the idol's mouth as if the idol himself were speaking an answer to a follower's prayer. The sad part is that these deceptive practices left many people deceived and many others skeptical of anything supernatural. And it is against this backdrop of extreme deception and skepticism that the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the church in Ephesus, which was the Roman capital of Asia Minor. And here we are now, several thousand years later, and it does not seem that things have changed all that much. Masses are still being deceived, and it seems that there are more skeptical people today than ever before. And to some degree, I can understand, because from the fabrics we wear to the food that we eat, we are still surrounded by imitations of what is real. Today, we have fake meat. Shout out to all the vegans out there. We got fake hair, fake limbs, fake leather, fake denim, fake ice cream. Fake glass, fake wood, fake marble, fake gold, fake toenails, fake teeth, and the list could go on for hours and hours. And we don't have time this morning to mention the fake people perhaps we have been exposed to. Imposters living in the roles of our politicians or government officials or some religious leaders or even our next door neighbors. And all of this can create a real problem. That is, with all of this fakery, how does anybody have faith? We are surrounded by so much that isn't real. It's unfortunately become easy for some to be skeptical even when they come across the real and the genuine. We walk into stores, schools, and yes, even churches sometimes with our guard up, ready to protect ourselves from whatever disingenuous sales pitch that we think is being thrown at us. And this is somewhat understandable, but what if the very thing we have been wanting, we can end up guarding ourselves from God? But what my fellow skeptics and cynics need to remember is that if all you've been eating is artificial ingredients, then that first bite of the fresh and the real will be all the more sensational. Because the more imitations that there are, the more valuable the real and the genuine becomes. The more fake paintings there are out there, the more valuable that original masterpiece becomes. The more fake sculptures there are 
out there, the more valuable the real and the genuine becomes. I don't know what you've seen. I don't know what you've been exposed to. Maybe you've never had a dose of the real God of heaven. But can I tell you, don't be discouraged and don't be too skeptical, honey, because if all you've been eating is the fake, you've come into a place this morning where you can experience the real, the real God of heaven who loves you and wants to help you. Come on, the more imitations that abound, the more it shows who and what is truly real. Come on, somebody praise him right now if you believe that. The more imposters that appear, the more obvious it becomes who is truly authentic. And you may have had all kinds of imposters make you false promises side of the bargain. But I've come to tell you that our God is not a God that works that way. Our God is not a God that lets people down. Our God is not a God that is void on his promises. Our God is not a God that says one thing and does another. Our God is not a God that says he'll be there on time and then doesn't show up. Our God is not a God that says he'll love you like a heavenly daddy, but then when you need a daddy, he's nowhere to be found. No, our God is real. He loves you. Oh, hallelujah. And scripture reminds us of this. That's why, partly why in Romans 5.20, it says, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. The more imitations there are, the more the real becomes obvious. Where dead idols reside, that's where a dynamic church can thrive. Where falsehoods and lies and imitations abound, that's where the real, authentic, and genuine can much more abound. I've just come to remind somebody with a simple message this morning that God is real, he is powerful, and in the middle of this age of doubt and skepticism, he wants you to believe, and he wants you to experience him, and he wants you to have faith. I don't know who you are, what your background is, what you've done, or where you've been, but I really don't care, and that's not too hard for Jesus anyway. You are in the right place if you are hungry for something that is real, for something you can taste, for something you can see, for something that you can feel. Come on. You, you've been dead inside. You've been numb. You have come where you can experience a God that can resurrect those feelings and resurrect those areas of your heart that are dark and numb. You've come to interact with a real powerful God of heaven that wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to wash away your sins. He can heal your body. Come on, does anybody believe this today? He is that real. He is that powerful. He is that active in this world today. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Come on, I feel like some of you are starting to believe that. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Amen. Amen. Do you know why that that Paul was not worried about these precious saints in Ephesus in spite of all this deception swirling around them? You know why he wasn't worried about those people that he met on the coasts of Ephesus? He wasn't worried because this is a church, the Ephesian church, was a church that Paul himself established. 
as we just read in Acts chapter 19. And because Paul established it, and because Paul was there, Paul knew that they had the real thing. He did not have to worry whether or not these imperial idols and these false statues were going to trick those precious people from the truth. Because he knew there was a day that church was founded by, by, by the shores. That church was founded, amen, on, on Jesus' name, baptism, on preaching, and on the Holy Ghost infilling evidence by speaking in other tongues. So when all that deception was swirling, Paul said, I'm not going to worry about them because they have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that he's real. God gave them a visible sign so they don't have to ever wonder whether or not he's in them or whether or not he loves them. Paul knew that those saints had a powerful encounter with God that nothing offered to them in Ephesus could ever compare to. And when you have a powerful encounter with God and you come to know him and be filled by his spirit, you will not have to worry and wonder so much about being deceived, about being tricked, and about following false winds of false doctrine. Because when you have the real thing, honey, there's just something about it. It lines your compass. It shows you the difference between fake and true, between good and evil. Come on, God wants you to have a real, true encounter with him today. Amen. So Paul told them, put on the armor of God. Be sober and aware, Ephesians. Pray in the spirit. You need to do these things, but, but you're going to be just fine. Why? Because you know the real thing. When you have the Holy Ghost living on the inside, you don't have to be afraid of all the spirits of, of the Northwest, the, the spirits of Washington or Spokane, all the different things being put into place by, by some politicians, both, both federal and local. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be worried about what the future holds in that way. You, you don't have to stay up at night worrying about all these different things and worrying if your family's protected. When you know Jesus and you've got him in your life and in your home, honey, you're protected. Honey, God's got his arms around you and his hand on you he's real and he loves you and he's with you amen and this is why we need more encounters with him and this last day and age we don't need we don't need less encounters with him we don't need less experiences with him we need as much encounters with Jesus Christ that we can possibly get because he wants to show us and remind us how real he is amen there's some of us here today You've always heard that God was real, but you never really experienced him for yourself. You've always heard that God was real, and you, you maybe experienced him vicariously through someone else, but you've been longing to have that close connection with him yourself. God has sent a young preacher here to tell you today that that's exactly what he wants to give you today. He wants to change that. He wants to give you that one-on-one -on -one experience. He wants to give you more. If you've never really experienced him, and you've heard, oh, yeah, that, that's just for all the Bible thumpers, and that's just for all those real religious folk. I guess they see God from time to time, and they hear his voice, but not me. I just must be too messed up. I must be too carnal. There must be something wrong with me. Uh-uh. That's not true at all. Amen. God wants you to have the exact same experience with him that, that you've heard about others have. God wants you to have the real thing. He's not just real for everyone else and then not real for you. He is real for you, honey. He's real for you, sir. He's real for you, ma'am. He does not just exist somewhere in the cosmos looking down with his arms crossed, wondering when he's going to wrap all this up. He's not 
just real out there. He's not just real for everyone else. He wants to be real in your life today. Amen. I'm tired of hearing people say things like, yeah, I, I believe he's real. I believe he's out there somewhere, but I just don't know if he's real for me. He, uh, he wants to be so close to you, you can't even imagine. He wants to be so close with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have one-on-one -on -one communion with you. He wants to direct your life and order your steps. Amen. If you would just keep giving him a chance, if you give him more than five minutes of your time, if you give him more than just one church service a month, if you give him more than just Easter and Christmas every year, if you give him just a little bit more and taste and see that the Lord is good, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all of it will be added unto you. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Come on, keep praying. Keep seeking. And I believe today at a Pentecostal altar, you can find what you have been looking for. Hey Amen. Try to, try to tell a man named Brian that God is not personal and real. Amen. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was just preaching there recently. Had the privilege of preaching there a few months ago, and I met Brian, and he's brand new to this, never been in church. Amen. He served in the armed forces. He's a young man, but he's a, a veteran, and he was just waiting tables. He, that, that was his job. He was out of the service, and he was waiting tables, and his mind was messed up, and his heart was messed up, and he struggled from really bad PTSD, and that caused him to, to do all kinds of things and self-medicate in all kinds of different ways. And he was just serving a table one day like any other table, but he did not realize there was a group of apostolic Pentecostals at that table, Pentecostal preachers. And one of them was the pastor of this church I just mentioned I was preaching for. And God spoke to that pastor, a home missions church planner, and said, you need to witness to this waiter. You need to tell him about me. And so that pastor gave him his card and said, listen, I know you don't know me and I don't know you, but God told me to give my card to you. And if you ever need anything, I want you to call this number. I'm here for you. I'll be praying for you. And and that, and that man, Brian, had, had, had just been thinking, I really wish there was someone I could talk to. I wish there was someone I could go to. So he took that card. He said, thank you, Pastor. I'm going to be calling you. Amen. To make a long story short, amen, before he, he began meeting with, with the pastor, and he began slowly kind of asking questions and, and coming this way. Amen. And, and he had to go to the doctor's office. His, his PTSD was still really bad, but he had not yet been diagnosed. He thought, I need to go to, to a doctor for this. And so they did this psychiatric test, and I don't know how all this works but he took this test and 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 they, they they know that you have PTSD if you score it's like at least a 20 or above and he took this test and he scored over a 60 on this test he had very intense trauma and very intense psychological issues so he took the paper back to the pastor he said you see what I'm dealing with I'm messed up the pastor says God's gonna fill you with his spirit he's gonna change all that the pastor said you can be baptized in Jesus name and have the record of all your sins washed away Listen, you, you, may have had to, you may have had to take some people out in the military. You've probably seen some horrible stuff in the military that's caused you to feel guilt and haunted your mind. And you've done all kinds of drugs. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus and the record of all those sins. Amen. Every kill, everything you've seen, every drug, that's all washed away in the blood of Jesus. He'll cover it. 
And so this young man said, okay. He got baptized in the name of Jesus. He was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everything changed. Peace like he had never had before filled his life. He went back to the doctor because he wanted to take another test. He took that same test for PTSD. And instead of scoring a 60, he scored a 6. And the doctor said, sir, I don't know what happened to you between last time and now. But your depression, you don't have it anymore. Your PTSD, it's gone. Whatever you've been doing, just keep doing it. Because you're better than you've ever been before. You've come too late to tell me that my God's not real. You've come too late to tell me that God does not heal of depression or PTSD or psychological issues or health issues or heart issues. Our God is real. He's a healer. He's powerful. He loves you. He wants to help you and save you today. Come on, somebody. Praise him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Bible is clear of examples of God being real and God moving and God intervening in our lives. Every time somebody was filled with the Spirit, God gave them a visible, audible sound, amen, to prove that He was real and that He was filling them with His Spirit. God will leave markers everywhere He can to demonstrate to you and I that He's real and that He loves us and that He cares for us. And I heard one man say, if you've never been, if you've never been indoctrinated before and you've never been taught anything before and all you were given was a bible and you were told to go into a closet and shut the door and lock it and begin reading that bible you would never come out of that closet a cessationist you say what is a cessationist a cessationist is somebody that believes that god does not intervene in our lives anymore a cessationist is someone that believes that people do not get healed anymore and miracles and signs and wonders don't happen anymore. But you have to be taught that because you would never come away with that conclusion just by reading this book, just by reading the Old and New Testament. Because everywhere that Jesus went, he healed, he saved, he brought back to life, he delivered. We are people of the name. We are Jesus' name people. We have that same power. We'll speak the name of Jesus over you and things will happen in his name because he's real and he wants to show us he's real just as he ever did in times past. He does still intervene in our lives today. He does still move. He does still do all kinds of miracles, signs, and wonders. You say, but, but what, about, what about the hypocrisy I've seen, preacher? What about, listen, in spite of all the fakery, you must still have faith. And faith is not false hope. Can I tell you what faith is? Faith, according to Hebrews 11 and 1, is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things that are not seen. In other words, let me break it down for you. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Being convinced of what we do not see. Just because you can't see something does not mean it is not real. Just because you can't see the atoms in the pews you're sitting on does not mean they aren't real. Just because you can't see the carbon dioxide particles flow around in the air does not mean that it is not real and just because you cannot see everything with your physical eyes doesn't mean it's not real faith is seen with spiritual eyes faith is looking beyond what can be seen in the physical and starting to see some things in the spiritual God wants to give you faith where you can begin to see for the first time your life a little bit differently God wants to give you the kind of eyes where you can see yourself without the drugs 
God wants to give you the kind of spiritual vision where you can see yourself without the broken family situation, where you can see yourself without the alcohol, without the pornography, without the needles in your veins. That's the kind of spiritual vision God wants to give you because that's the way he looks at you. He knows there's problems, but he says, I see what's ahead. I see what you can be, and you need to get on God's clock. You need to start seeing things the way God sees them and start seeing your future the way God sees your future because he sees your future with light and with redemption and with hope, amen. And if you want that, God will give it to you. God sees your future as a future free of depression. God sees your future as a future free of anxiety. And if you want that, he'll make your future a reality. He will bring your future into the present. Just get some spiritual eyes and see what God can do. Amen. By faith, I'm closer to to being done than you might think. Amen. By faith, Abraham and Sarah, the great patriarchs and matriarchs, they saw the promise, as it says in Hebrews 11. How do you see a promise? How do you see a promise? With physical eyes? No. You You can't see a promise. No. Faith, as we just mentioned, is seeing with spiritual eyes, seeing what cannot be seen in the physical. You know what faith is? Faith is this, even though my physical senses say impossible, my spiritual senses say with God anything is possible. That is faith. And the the Holy Ghost is called the promise of the Father. And Peter said this promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off. Can you see the promise? If you're here today and you've never had Jesus living on the inside, you've never had his spirit fill your heart, if you would start praying right now and even just letting a little bit of your walls fall right now, you will begin to see with spiritual eyes the promise. I believe you can even picture yourself receiving the spirit and speaking in other tongues. You will begin to see the promise be poured out on you with spiritual eyes. God is that real. Come on, if you're here today and you need something from him and you need freedom, I'm going to preach for just a few more minutes, but I want in your heart to begin letting go of things, to begin surrendering some things, to begin to say, you know what, I don't know what all this is about, I may still have questions, and I don't know who that preacher is, but if anything that he's saying is true, I want to experience it for myself, and even with that little bit of faith, God will come down, God will touch you, if you're willing to repent of your sins, and say, God, I'm sorry for everything I've done, everything I've said, and everything I've thought, if you're willing to be truly repentant in your heart, and say to God, God, I don't want to live the way I used to, but I'm going to do my best to start living for you. If you're willing to be that honest and sincere with him, then God will be real and sincere with you, and he'll swoop down, and he'll fill your heart with his spirit, and you will know that you have been filled when you speak in other tongues as the spirit of God gives you the utterance. Amen. Amen. God is so real. You know, some people... You know, you have to say, well, if God's real, why why are there so many people that don't serve him? I'll tell you why. Because he's too real. Because not everybody likes real. Because God's real in more ways than one. God is too real for some folk. 
Some people just want a little dash of truth and live in the rest of their lives in deception. Some people just want a little bit of goosebumps, a little taste, and walk away and do their thing. But when they come encounter with the real God of heaven, he loves you so much, he's going to be real with you. And if you've got problems that need to be dealt with, and you've got hidden sin on your life, God knows you're going to have a better life if you kick that sin out and if you start living pure. So he's going to be real with you. He's going to send a preacher or a pastor or a friend to be like, bro, you need to get that junk out of your life. If you're not married to her or married to him, you need to quit shacking up. Come on, God's just going to be real like that. And if you want the real God of heaven, he'll be real and he'll save you. But if you don't want real, then this might not be the place for you. Listen, God loves you so much, he's going to be straight up with you. He's going to be up front with you because he wants you to have a better life and a better future and he wants you to make it to heaven with him. Come on, don't shy away from the preaching. Don't shy away from God when it starts getting a little too real, when it starts getting a little uncomfortable. That's good for you. That's good for me. I want God to be real with me. I want God to get on to me and say, Brennan, you've had a bad attitude lately. Brennan, you've had a bad temper lately. Brennan, I don't like the way you've been talking to your wife. I want God to get on to me. I want God to be real with me because I want to be better. I want to be more like him, and I want to make it to heaven with him. Come on, let God be real with you. Some of you, God's been wanting to take you to deeper places and higher levels. But he's been asking, but can I be real with you? You've been praying, God, take me deeper. And so God will come and tell you what needs to happen for you to go deeper. But it's just too real and raw. And you get bristled and you get offended. And then you turn away and you stay in the same place that you've been in. If you're ready to go forward, amen, you've got to be willing and able to say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whoever I need to apologize to. Come on, none of this is in my notes. This is just what the Holy Ghost is saying. Whatever I need to make right, however much I need to pray, whatever I need to repent of, God, it's worth it because I want to be close to you. Let God be real with you. If God convicts you of something while you're sitting in your pew something that you could do better, something that you need to get rid of in your life, or something that you need to repent of, don't take that as a bad sign. That's a good sign. The Father loves whom he chastens. The Father loves whom he takes care of. Amen. Instead, respond to that and say, okay, God, this is uncomfortable, but instead of walking out that door, getting in my car and driving home and being upset, I'm going to go to an altar. I'm going to lift my hands, and I'm going to give everything to you. I'm going to let you fill me with your spirit. I'm going to let you wash away my sins and baptize. Come on, not my will, but thy will be done. Hallelujah. I wish I had the time to tell you all the stories of how real God is. Hey man, I have, I, I recently, my wife and I, and I want the musicians to come. We just got back from a trip to Asia. We were privileged to be a part of uh, an apostolic, part of the apostolic work going on in the nation of Bangladesh. And we were there for a crusade and a conference, amen, and can I just tell you that I have been privileged to travel enough around this globe, here in the United States and around the world, and seeing God show up and manifest himself in every nation that I've traveled to to do ministry. And can I tell you, he's the same God everywhere we go. People don't get the Holy Ghost differently in Bangladesh or Germany or, or Amsterdam than they do here. 
They received the Holy Ghost the same way they did 2,000 years ago. Amen. There was a way, God gave them a surefire sign that said, you're going to know because you're going to speak in a heavenly language, a heavenly utterance as I give the utterance. And so this is happening all around the world. People are being healed in their bodies all around the world. People are being healed in the United States of America. God is real. And I can't think of a better time to submit my life to the real God of heaven. Time is short. I don't know how much time we have left. But if you know that God is real, and if you believe what I'm preaching, and if you've seen evidences that God is real, then you have an obligation to surrender your life to him. Because he's the most real thing on planet earth. He is reality itself. The Bible says in Acts 17, in him we live and move and have our being. You don't have your reality outside of God. You don't know who you are outside of God. You don't know what's real outside of God. You'll never find your true self outside of God. Some of you are searching to try to find your true self. You've quit your jobs. You've moved across the country just to try to find yourself. Can I tell you, you will not find yourself outside of Jesus Christ. You can read all the self-help books you want to. You can go to as many Tony Robbins seminars as you want to. But you'll never truly find yourself outside of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are a creation and you will always be confused unless you are connected with your Creator. People say, I'm just going to do me. I'm just, I'm just going to over here live my best life. I'm just going to practice self-love. I'm seeing that, hearing that everywhere I go. That's a lie. Those are the people that are the most angry and miserable. There is no self-love. God is love. We cannot love without him. We, and he so loved us that he came and died for our sins and made it possible for you and I to be saved and set free from depression, from fear, from loneliness, from addiction, from, from whatever you can think of. Jesus already paid the price for it. Who the Son sets free is free indeed, the Bible says. You, if you're visiting here, you can just look around. You're looking at people that are not perfect, but they've been redeemed. And you think we're all pretty with our suits and ties and comb-overs. Amen. But you forgot where some of us came from. You forgot some of the sexual addictions some people here came from. You, you don't realize some of the literal prisons and jails that people are in. You don't realize the heroin addiction that are in this place that used to be existing in people's lives. Come on, he's real and there's nothing too hard from him. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. There's lots of free people on these pews that can shout about that this morning. I want us to stand. I'm done preaching, but I'm going to tell you this because I, I, mentioned, I mentioned Asia for a reason. We were there, and I don't have time to go over everything. We were there for a few days. We had services, three nights. First two nights, we prayed that we would, we prayed for miracles, signs and wonders. The last night, we specifically focused on the Holy Ghost, and we did this because we wanted, we wanted people to just, just see as much of the power and glory of God as possible. And so that crowd will begin to grow and grow. People will tell their friends. And then on the last night, we could have as many people there as possible and pray over them that they would receive the Holy Ghost. And so we did this. This was the last night. And this was the night uh, of the Holy Ghost focus. And I, 
My wife told me this. I didn't get to see it, but, but I believe my wife, when I heard her screaming and shouting, I looked over and heard her jumping and many people around her rejoicing, so I know this is true. That night in that service, there was a young boy. I meant to get a picture of him. If you ask me, if you want to see this, I'll get the picture. I'll show it to you. She took a, my wife took a picture of this young boy, probably 15 or 16 years old, and this boy was mute, could not speak, and uh, he would try to, and I don't, I'm not making fun, but it would just come out, just, just hardly anything, just barely sounds, not even syllables. His friends were all around him. Some of them spoke a little English. They said, he cannot speak, he cannot speak. So a young man began laying hands on, on this boy, began praying, and so far, nothing happened yet. And he called over my wife. She was the only one nearby. He said, I need someone else's faith. Come over here and help me pray. So my wife went over there and, and was praying as well with this young boy. And they prayed a few times. And my wife said she visibly saw, it was almost like he had a lump or some kind of golf ball looking thing in his throat. And as he was praying, and they said, just say hallelujah. Just speak the name of Jesus. He was trying. And it looked like something unblocked. And it almost looked like not to be crude, but he choked something up. But there was nothing there. And all of a sudden, after that, he began shouting the word, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He began speaking the name of Jesus. His friends around him were shocked, and all they could say was, he could not speak, he could not speak, he could not speak, and God healed a mute 16-year-old boy that night and granted him the ability to speak. Listen, there's so many testimonies I could give, but you've come too late to tell me that my God is not real, and before before this night started, before that miracle happened, we were all in the worship service, and I'm concluding with this, and we knew that that night we were focusing on the Holy Ghost, and there were thousands of people there, we're going to be praying over them, that they would receive the Holy Ghost. There was Hindus there, and, 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 and Muslims there, and of course some Christians of different stripes, and so they were there, and, and as we were worshiping, I looked up, and this is the only time during the crusade I happened to look up for whatever reason. And I look up, and listen, some of you might think I'm crazy, and that's fine. I really don't care, because I saw it, and I've got other people that can testify to it. I looked up, and I saw a white dove flowing around that, that, that congregation, flowing around that group of people right around the stage. And it flew up, and it went and landed on a building right near us, and just stood there watching all of us. Now, I saw that, and listen... I mentioned skeptics in the beginning of the message. God has to work with me because sometimes I can be a little cynical and skeptical. Sometimes it takes me a little bit to believe something. I'm just being real with you. And so I looked at that and I said, God, this is crazy. But you know what? I'm here. I'm all the way over here, overseas. I I'm going to go follow up on this. I went to the missionary that's been there in that nation for 28 years. And I said, sir, I said, are there white doves in this area of the country, this area of the world? He looked at me and smiled and said, son... If you saw a white dove, that was a miracle from God. He said, because they are extremely, extremely rare in this area of the world and in our nation. He said, and you know what? He said, he looked up, he said, I saw the dove too. He said, that is absolutely a sign from God. And for those of us visiting that do not know, a white dove, a dove is the sign of the Holy Spirit. A dove is the sign of the Holy Ghost. A dove is the sign of a Holy Ghost outpouring. Amen. And we saw many people filled with the Holy 
Holy Ghost that Saturday night in Bangladesh. I've just come to preach to somebody. I don't see a literal dove here, but I know that the Holy Spirit, amen, the God of heaven is here like a dove circling this congregation ready to pour himself out upon anybody that's hungry, upon anybody that wants him, anybody that wants to have their sins washed away. God is here ready to wash them away in the waters of baptism. All across this house, I want us to lift up our hands and I want us to begin praying right now. Every single one of us, saint, visitors alike, before we go any further, I want you to just lift your voice and pray. Come on, God's fixing to move. And we're stirring up faith right now. That's it. That's it. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. We've heard the word of God. It's here. Now we're just reaching out and grabbing a hold of it. Come on, he loves you. He wants to help you and save you. Come on, he can heal you today. In just a few more seconds. Come on, let's pray. Church, I need you to lift your voice. I need you to pray with fervency. If this was not for you, but you know it's for someone else, come on, pray. Fill me with your glory. Oh, come on, he's a healer. Fill me with your power. Oh, yes. Fill me with your presence. Lord, I long to be like you. Hey, man, here's what I want us to do. Amen. Keep, you can keep praying. Stay in the spirit of prayer, please. Here's what I want us to do. Amen. Keep praying, but just for a moment, put some of your hands down because I'm going to ask a question. Put your hands down. If you are here and you need a miracle from God, I want you to raise your hand. Whatever it is, just raise your hand. You need a miracle from God. Come on, be honest. Beautiful, beautiful. Lots of hands. Thank you for your honesty and your transparency. Put your hands down. Amen. If you are here and you've never received the Holy Ghost, this is for the kids, this is for the adults, everybody. You've never received the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, and you would like to today. Would you slip your hand up at me so I know who you are? There's one, there's two, keep your hands up. There's three, keep your hands up. Four, thank you, buddy. Amen. There's at least four, and I know there's more in this place, and God wants to fill you too, even if you didn't raise your hand. Okay, you put your hands down. Amen. If you need a healing in your body, last question, raise your hand. You need a healing in your body. If you raise your hand the first time, that's okay. You can raise it again. You need a healing in your body. Wonderful, wonderful. Put your hands down. Thank you. I'm going to invite in just a second all of us to come. Here's what I want us to do. If you raise your hand and you need a miracle or a healing in your body, amen, I want you to come to my left side in just a moment. And if you raise your hand and you need the Holy Ghost, or if you need the Holy Ghost and you didn't raise your hand because you were shy, but you know you need it, you're welcome to come as well on this right side, okay? So here's what I want us to do. And if you are here and you didn't raise your hand, but you just need a good old dose of the real God of heaven, you're welcome to come too. So I want to go ahead and invite you to come. Holy Ghost on my right side. Miracles, healing on my left side. Amen. And if it fills up here, you can come to the right and fill the area around those people that need the Holy Ghost. But some of you over there that needed the Holy Ghost, you raise your hand, please come to my right so I can identify you so we can pray with you to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know we're just taking a little more time, but God's here. God hasn't gone anywhere. He's fixing to pour himself out. Come on, that's it. Those two brothers that were over there, go ahead. That's it. Come over here to my right side. Thank you for your honesty, my friend. There's at least one or two more. If you can, come over here to my right. Amen. Just squeeze through the crowd. They won't bite you. Amen. The rest of you, you can fill in the back. If you're here and you're visiting and you don't know what all this is about, but you are willing to try Jesus 
and put this preacher and put this God to the test, please come. I want to invite you and we want to pray with you to see God work miracles in your life. That's it. Squeeze in, folks. Squeeze in. Come on to the right, too. You can come to the right. That's it. Fill in. Fill in. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Here's what we're going to do, every one of us. We're all going to repent of our sins. There's some of us already doing it. If you're doing it, go ahead and keep doing it. That's beautiful, bro. We're all going to lift our hands. We're going to repent of our sins. This is important. Peter said we have to do it. We've all got to do it every day. So let's do it right now. Let's lift our hands. Let's take at least 30 seconds and let's begin to repent of our sins. Come on. You don't have to name everything you've ever done. All you got to do is say, Jesus, I'm sorry for everything I've ever done. I'm sorry for everything I've ever done. I'm sorry for what I've said. I'm sorry for what I've thought. Come on, that's it, young man. If you need the Holy Ghost, that's it. Lift your hands right now and begin to repent of your sins. Thank you to some of these ministers and preachers that are helping us uh, uh, focus right now. Thank you, thank you. I'm sorry, Lord. I don't want to go back to the way I used to go. That's it. Everybody that needs healing, pray the same prayer. I need you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord. That's it, that's it, that's it. Hallelujah. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive healing. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive the Holy Ghost. I bind doubt and I lose faith. I bind sickness and I lose healing. I bind fear and I lose faith and confidence. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed, be filled, be set free of every addiction, every disease, and every sickness in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, right now, across this house, I want you to lift your voice and I want you to shout hallelujah right now. Lift your voice and shout hallelujah right now. Lift your voice and shout the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep shouting. Keep shouting. Jesus. Jesus. That's the name that rebukes every disease. That's the name that heals every heart. That's the name that fills us with his spirit. That's it. Lift your voice and shout hallelujah. Lift your voice and shout the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he's doing it right now. He's filling right now. He's healing right now, right now.